Hello, welcome to Two Half Podcast. I'm Keith Rocket, and with me is someone who previously used to work at Pixar. Um, I don't know how you want to go by, but uh, what do you want to go by? <laughs> oh, name wise, or yeah, name or you want to be known as oh. your little I can sub Pixar guy a- editorial. Um, but James, yeah, James, okay, ex Pixar guy. However, you want to. But yeah, it's right. always like these these divisions at Pixar. You know, it's like being in animation is kind of like the the seniors in high school, and the uh-huh. editorial probably like I don't know what they are, but below that, I'll put it that uh, way. <laughs> oh, got it, got it. But okay, the Pixar guy, uh, and and editorial. So let's just go all the way like from the beginning. I mean, pretty much Pixar is in Richmond, California. Specifically in uh, Point Richmond, and just just tell me how did you get the job in the first place? Uh, that's a great, great, great question. Um, so I'm a film uh, lover, filmmaker um, since birth. Basically, I saw I saw Bambi at age four, mm-hmm. and I remember it vividly. I saw Planet of the Apes at age six. So you know, a huge movie guy, Ray Harryhausen, and all that stuff, and started making movies in my garage, and just go a bunch of years ahead. Um, you're like, well, how do you go from being a weirdo film fan in your garage to, you know, working for a studio? Yeah. And I think you have to kind of will it to happen. I remember, um, I was, I saw the movie toy story in, or uh-huh. I forgot where it was 90 something. Um, 95 did it come out? Uh, probably. Yeah. I think 95 uh, around like that. that. And I remember seeing the movie and, uh, and I studied animation in school and I just, I had this epiphany. I just, I just kind of said a little prayer go please god let me work at that studio i mean that was i had no connections or anything mm-hmm. and actually I'm pretty agnostic but but to the film gods i really believe in the film gods so um uh that was my thing and i had i had been working in a post-production facility in san francisco doing basic editing uh reproduction and, and studio st- um uh, broadcast stuff and you what happens is you work at these production places and some people don't go anywhere and some go places yeah. And I worked at a place that had a lot of uh, employees and some very few went on to look to Pixar or Lucasfilm. And one of my friends, oh. I won't mention his name, but went from this duplication place to American Zoetrope, Francis Ford mm-hmm. Cop- Coppola's company. And then he eventually was asked to leave uh, Zoetrope to go work at Pixar as a production manager. And he was a very good friend of mine. And um, mm-hmm. he would always say, hey, do you want to have a tour of Pixar? I'm like, of course. So all, all starts off with kind of connections, you know, interest in the field. And then connections, yeah. friends, and then tour. Like, hey, come for the they have, uh, used to have beer bashes at Pixar on Fridays, and so I got a couple okay. tours. Yeah, it was nice. They, I'd go there, and everyone there where they were super nice. There was no no snobby thing, and yeah. um, and uh, I think after I had the visit, got to visit them, Point Richmond, he kept saying, "Hey, would you want to you know work here? Um, how would you like to run the video department?" I'm like what? Like you can know, you know what gear to get. You can you'll be the guy. You'll set all the video for Pixar. I'm like I'm, I'm not really qualified for that. Um, yeah. So it was a big ask, and I was like 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 no, that's way too much. So he's like, okay. And so I think for the next six months, but he kept asking because they, I think they they were growing at that time. They're looking for people, mm-hmm. um, and eventually a job opened up because there was some drama in the film room, and I needed someone like immediately. Yeah. And I had no real experience handling 35 millimeter film. Um, I'd, I'd handled literally every other format, but 35 millimeter is kind of like, you know, the top of the little chain, the apex. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I came in and I think someone in the film room was on vacation. So it was another guy in there. And so Bill brought me in and it was like, it was, there was no interview. There was no, let me see your resume. It's like, we need someone down. Yeah. And I went in there, I met the people and they were a little like, who's this guy? And a little reluctant. Um, but they were kind of, a. Uh, um, stuck for someone i think the job was film apprentice so i worked uh-huh. in the yeah so i worked in the film room and handled the film it's pretty cool nice nice and you just pretty much just 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 they just you just they just fed you to the sharks pretty much just pretty like, much threw me in the room and i you're right exactly it's happened because the very first day um uh-huh. the, I, I get the i get the roll of film from the studio from the lab and my job was to um edge coat it on this ancient machine it would pound these uh these numbers on it for editing mm-hmm. and then i had to read the um the little codes on the, on the film and type it into a computer and i have dyslexia so the very first day i look down and i see these numbers and letters floating in my head 
Oh, and I look God. up and I go, I can't do this. I, I, <laughs> I physically can't do this. Yeah. And my, my boss turned to me, he goes, this is what you're hired for. You have to do this. Like this is, this is the only thing. And so through sheer will, uh -huh. I, my, I had to lock in and read the edge code numbers and then type it into the little Mac laptop. Um, so it's funny. It's like, this is what I want to do. I want to be more of a creative person, but you know, things are usually technical. So I had to, um, force my dyslexia to, you know, to shut up for a while. And I had to learn how to, uh -huh. and I, I overcame it, but I had these little loop, you know, and hold it down and, and read these little numbers and type yeah. into a computer. It's just so odd in a way, you know, was it, was it very difficult at first? And what was the movie you were working on where you had to like, really like shut your dyslexia, you know, your dyslexic, just shut it down and just focus. Yeah, it was, well, I, I, the thing is my whole life, I've always wanted to work in, work on the, work in the films, work in film industry. So I was going to put yeah. with, with anything. It was just an odd, <laughs> they, so it was, it was, um, a bug's life. Bugs like, oh, my favorite movie that they'll never make a sequel to. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why um, they won't make a sequel to it. And it's funny, you know, being a huge Pixar, uh, Pixar fan, being a huge Seinfeld fan and loving, um, uh, what's her name? Elaine in the show, uh, uh -huh. Julia Dreyfus. And you're like, oh, my God, I love her so much. And I think I worked on a film with her. I mean, we never saw each other and she recorded yeah. the audio probably two years earlier, but it took me like 10 yeah. years to realize, hey, we, if I ever see her, I can say, hey, we worked on a movie together. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's, so the thing is this, it's like uh, every morning there'd be these big rolls of, of film and these big metal Goldberg cases, like from the 1910s, 30s uh -huh. in front of Pixar. And I would bring them in, chop them up and put them in boxes. And we'd assemble these reels that we'd show around as the rough cut. Um, uh -huh. places or as they cut and that was my job i would yeah film apprentice um where i my it's very simple very mechanical where i would uh get the film cut up all the shots label them and enter them in the computer and then when they were called i would we would assemble them and that was that was my primary job um anyone could do it you didn't need any film background but you needed to know the people the ins you know uh -huh. those those names to get you in there uh and then hopefully if you get in there you can migrate to other departments and my friend who hired me thought i would just wander over into the story department storyboarding because i'm a creative person yeah. but that never happened that was really a hard jump because we were working so hard i was there from eight in the morning till eight at night and it wasn't a lot of time to um try to migrate wow. to another department yeah so you're pretty much working if you're like eight in the morning eight to night that's pretty much is that 12 hours yeah and it was it was based on a 10-hour day uh-huh five days a week and often Saturdays, I guess, because there'd be this, they'd pick a date and say, okay, the film's coming out in, in, in four years, yeah. which is a long time for a regular movie. So it's forever. So yeah. the cool thing is at Pixar is say you're having a problem with your apartment, which I did actually, or you have any problem in your life, like, Hey, we got four years, go take a week off and work, whatever it is, divorce or paint your apartment, which is very liberal, very sweet, very nice. But uh -huh. as the deadline approached, <laughs> All yeah. that went away. And we, one day, I think I was talking to you earlier that we are in the film room for three days straight. Uh, -huh. um, three days. Yeah. Just standing, cutting, 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 cutting because the deadline was going to be like in two weeks or whatever it was. So, mm -hmm. um, it can be very slow and very relaxed. Um, but yeah. in general, there's, I remember the, the, the gearing up as the deadline's coming and you're working, um, you know, you're working so much that you're sleeping there. People are sleeping in the screening room. Uh, there were people at Adam and they're sleeping under the desks and stuff, yeah. just trying to get the deadline done. And you did it. I, I mean, I get headaches or I'd be exhausted, but I was so, wow. it was such a privilege to be there. And so, you know, because I've been talking about filmmaking my whole life. So this is my yeah. chance. And there was no way they were going to, you know, kick me out or, or I wasn't ever going to say I'm too tired, but yeah. um, it was like a cult. Yeah. You, you're just, you know, dying. But I knew the goal was to make a movie. It wasn't, a, you know, to sell pencils or sell flowers. Yeah. It was the end result is a movie. So I am definitely going to give them, you know, 110%. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what I did. And I was happy to do that, you know. Wow. That's, and so for the Bugs Life movie, how long did that take to, you know, complete like cutting and, you know, uh, with the film with your in that department? How long did that take to, you I, know, complete? I think I was there a year. I mean, so I guess they've been doing it three years previous. Oh, okay. So I kind of came in. I guess the last year, um, 
there was like there was there was uh, well I'll, I guess I can dish a little bit so I won't name names but uh. <laughs> so there was a guy in the film room and it's a weird it's a weird room where there are four people three or four people yeah and um, it's just like you feel like you're rowing a Roman ship because you've got these big film reels film reels and you're cranking and cranking cutting shots moving yeah. shots around and um, you're in very tight quarters and uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's give you the good stuff. So there was a woman who works there who's kind of a famous editor now in her own, own right. And there uh-huh. are two guys yeah. and, and one guy says the other, you know, I think I fell in love with the girl. And the guy goes, please, that's so pathetic. You know, you can't do that. We just got beauty together and work. Yeah. And a couple months later went by and the other guy says, I think I'm in love with her too. So it's a lot, almost like being in prison. And so when I came in the room, the people were so relieved. She came oh. up to me and she hugged me and she's like, I, I can escape. I can leave. I don't know why. I was happy to be there, but I didn't know. I don't understand why they were so happy to see a relief person. <laughs> so she quickly transferred. Yeah, she got on. I think she went on to uh, Toy Story 2. She did because she, I think she became like a higher ranking person on Toy uh-huh. Story 2, leaving the film room. And she's like... She's like really famous in her field um, as an editor or graphics person now where she does seminars. Um, uh-huh. But I remember her first time seeing her like running up to me, like she's just so excited to get out of that room with the oppressive time and uh-huh. just the guys. <laughs> and no one's being inappropriate, but you just people, you fall in love, I guess, next to the person you're with for, you know, 20 hours a day. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh- so after Bugs Life, after you completed, you know, cut a film, because you've been there for how how many years? I was, I was there two years. Yeah, two years, two and a half years or something like that. Two and a half years. Pixar, got it. And what was the next one you worked on? Like after or was it just Bugs Life? No, it was a Bugs Life. And then like my first week, they said, hey, we're having dailies for Toy Story 2. Who wants to go? Or like we're all going. And for some yeah. reason, they had it at another building. So they run across this kind of like mini freeway to get to the other building. And I looked around like, can I leave? and go watch dailies and like yeah we're all gonna go like really uh-huh. i can go see dailies so i'd run across the street and we everyone would pile in maybe 80 percent of the company and you'd see raw stuff from toy story 2 and it was phenomenal uh-huh. and being a huge film nerd i felt like i was at a film convention or a, a WonderCon or something that yeah. same vibe um that's very popular and that you know, that super film fan is definitely you know the, the part of pixar and so it's so I felt so uh, lucky and privileged to see, you know, footage from Toy Story 2, which was phenomenal. And then you go back and work on Bugs Life. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that was a huge perk, you know, for me. Very exciting. Got it. So you're mainly just working on Bugs Life. Uh, yeah. Of- yeah. And they were working on Toy Story 2 at the same time. And I don't know what else uh-huh. they were doing. But um, I don't know if you knew, but there's this huge I'm sure you could do a whole chapter. But um, Toy Story 2. Do you know about what happened in Toy Story 2? Yeah, I know what what would happen. The whole thing going on and stuff. I, I heard about that. That they were going originally. They um they Pixar and Disney said, okay, Toy Story two is just going to be a smaller project, and I think it was like almost direct to video. Um, they yeah yeah it was going to be direct to video, and they had a certain crew work on it, kind of the B team working on it. Besides that woman who went to work on it, but um, but then they realized yeah. I think a year out or. At some point they go wait a minute this is one of the jewels of pixar like they don't we don't have that many jewels they didn't realize the value of of their stuff and so um they said oh my god uh, toy story 2 can't go to direct to video that's insane we have to make it a feature film and treat it as such and so yeah. they had a deadline of say a year at that point or i can't remember the dates but the deadline wasn't going to change so they, I think they basically scrapped everything. They brought in, they brought in the A team. I guess we finished off on a Bugs Life. Whoever the A team was, uh-huh. John Lasseter and Steve Jobs and everyone, and everyone below, were all going to put their efforts into making sure that Toy Story Two was going to be a feature film, mm-hmm. all the bells and whistles, and may still have, for some reason had to make a certain release date. And um, so everyone got crushed. Um, everyone, I didn't know at the time. I just thought we all had to work a thousand hours a day. I didn't know that it was this, even for Pixar. It was a super, super deadline. A lot of people quit after mm-hmm. Toy Story two. I did as well because it was just insane. It was like six oh. and seven days a week and you know twelve hour days. And mm-hmm. I did it. But I didn't quit, but I'm like, okay, I can't. That's ridiculous. But I didn't know that that was a unique experience um, that they kind of mm-hmm. messed up and never changed the due time. So people were just, you know, sleep. Kill them. Kill everyone. Got killed on that film. 
Yeah, and so a lot of people quit after Toy Story Two. Just they did. Yes, it was just it was just too much because you know people are married. People like me, I was a single guy, so I could yeah. directly do it. Other people had families and wives and babies and you know things yeah. they had to leave at night. And um, and I think people came back. Maybe I, they kept asking me to come back. They go, Jim, we love you. You're funny and blah blah blah. And uh, they kept and I'm like, no. And also the pay. The only negative thing was the pay was very low. Uh-huh. which is I'm happy to, that was for the opportunity. It was well, thousand times worth it, but just a yeah. reality living in San Francisco. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a struggle, you know, the fi- financially struggle. And I went back to my video company. They said, Hey, we'll pay you any wage and give you any, any hours. If you come back. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, I'll do that. But, um, uh, mm-hmm. not that it's all about, because uh, people a picture would say, Oh, you're here just for the money. Like, no, but you gotta live and you gotta pay for your apartment. You know, I'm taking yeah. two buses to get here. And uh, so there's an economic reality where I was being kind of at the bottom of the film chain where they really weren't, you know, financially rewarding me, but it was the opportunity. And I totally won for that. And I did it, like I say, yeah. and maybe if I made more and more, more money or if there was a promise of more money, um, maybe theoretically that was coming down the line, <laughs> but on a day to day, it was just tough, you know, financially. Would you, would you go back if, you know, someone like now, like of Pixar, if someone reached out saying, would you like to come back? Would you do it? Or would you still just stay where you're the, where you're at right now? I think I would go back. Um, if I had the skill set, because the skill set, the skill sets change because uh-huh. there's no more film of Pixar. There's no more video. Yeah, that's right. It's all just files, but I mean, the concepts are the same. So, uh, theoretically, yes, I think I regret leaving. I, sh- I think I should have toughed it out and just, um, been in the cult longer. But the thing is, you know, um, it's a, the thing is, if you're a creative person, yeah. you know, we all have our own ideas. So you're happy to work on their, their big project. Like you're building a pyramid and you're working on your little block for the pyramid. But you're like, hey, I have ideas. I want to make my short films yeah. or do my own feature films. But when you're doing working that production, you have zero time to do that um, because you're working on that other project. So. I kept telling myself, well, I'll leave and I'll do my own stuff, which I'm still struggling to do. I haven't really, I've done a couple of short films, but, uh-huh. um, but I still have ambitions to make my own feature films and own films. But um, that is the one problem with people who work for Lucasfilm or Pixar is they're at, you know, it's a big ask. They're asking you to, you know, to give a lot of your creativity and your time. Yeah. And um, it's difficult uh, to, um, to do your own stuff, but people do on the side. So maybe I'm just lazy because I have, the guy who works in the film room, he um, kept being asked by this guy, say, Hey, how do I edit? How do I shoot? How do I do this? How do I do that? So he helped someone on a short film and they won like an Oscar or something. So oh, nice. So the people at Pixar who are making a short films, they're also like, super overachievers and uh, maybe yeah. I could have connected with them. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was a lot. The film, people were afraid of the film room. Uh, <laughs> they would walk by and look in. They just saw us like kind of toiling away at the film, and people would say they know that we were up for days and stuff. So they would uh-huh. poke their head in and kind of walk away. And John Lasseter would make fun of us. He'd make fun of the guy. Uh, he goes, "Oh, how, tor- he, I don't know his name, but he would say, oh, how long have you been up today?'" And all kind of laughing. It's like, yeah. why are you laughing at this guy? You know, because uh- <laughs> we're working so hard. And I know I told you that in Point Richmond, I would leave at eight o'clock at night. Yeah. And then I would hear, "Oh, uh, Steve Buscemi just came by," or. Um, uh, Robin Williams came by last night. And I'm like, well, how could they be walking by it Tuesday at Point Richmond? You know, it's just a room, couple of rooms. It's not. So I missed all yeah. the celebrities. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And uh, Spike Jones. I'm a huge fan of Spike Jones. He came by uh-huh. another some random week weekend night. Um, and I never, you know, even though I was there a thousand hours a day, I missed <laughs> some of those guys. So that kind of burns me. You know? oh, that sucks. <laughs> uh, how was the. Can you explain to me the work environment at the old Pixar campus in Point Richmond? Like, um, was it was it gated like it is like Pixar is gated now? Uh, were people able to you know get free tours? Like, did they offer free food or did they have like special catering? Like, how was the environment at the old Pixar campus in Point Richmond? Right, I think there was. I can't. Remember, I don't think there was. I think there was a gate that was open. I don't, uh-huh. I don't remember any security guards. It was just like, it was because it looked like an old, um, not old, but it looked like industrial, it looked like an industrial building. Any court, any, um, tech company would have, mm-hmm. there was no Pixar signage or anything, but it was in point Richmond near the like oil refinery, uh, uh-huh. down little downtown. So it was just a group of office buildings. 
and you could yeah. just, you could park your car even though I didn't have a car um, and walk in and there was just a receptionist. There was yeah no security. Um, so no one knew where it was. I think it's kind of the way Lucasfilm was. It's kind of like in plain sight with no signage. You'd have to know that it was there. Yeah. Um, tours. I don't, I think, um, I remember people for some reason, people are always walking by. It was usually two, either people giving tours to, to, I'm not sure who, but people's family members are always coming through. They're very liberal with that. And people would come in the film room, no matter what we're doing, <laughs> just walk in um, <laughs> and watch us working. Um, and I would cut off pizza film, pieces of film of little leader to give people because it's a computer company. So yeah. nothing's tactile, you know, at least the word in the film room, it was tactile. We had film hanging film, you know, yeah. cranking and a machine pounding little numbers. So it was very almost unlike Pixar because Pixar was full of scientists and they said yeah. they had more computer scientists than like Boeing or something. So there are all these brilliant people there and knew who knew math. And I'm this dyslexic creative guy, you know, in the corner working. So it was full of a bunch of brains. Um, and so that was really awesome to be in a place where everyone's so fucking, everyone's so, so smart. Yeah. Uh, it was um, very um, kind of an intimidating, exciting. Then they're play, applying all that, that brain power to with the creative stuff to render gla uh, grass and plants and creatures yeah. and stuff. So that is that part was super exciting. Um, but oh yeah, as far as like food, I know that during a normal schedule, you would just go out to lunch um, if there wasn't a deadline. But once there's a deadline, we'd have a production assistant um, go around. She had a menu. And by 1030, everyone would make their uh, um, their lunch order. So, yeah, people would be kind of um, during busy times, kind of chained to the desk. And you people would walk up to you and um, and give you, you know, uh, lunch orders. So lunch is free. And then if you worked late, we would work. We had get our dinner would be catered. Um, somewhere i don't think we'd go up for it. i guess it'd be catered somewhere and um that part was very 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 nice they they, they, had, a, they had a kitchen was so you could get free drinks um and then i guess they would order out for food uh because yeah when the hours got crazy they would definitely be catering um but also it was all broken up there was there's layout there's rendering there's animation there was editorial and they're all we're all very separate camps so I don't know how they handle it, but animation was insane. Um, mm -hmm. Now you've 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 gotten a tour, right? Of the of Emeryville. The, yeah, the Emeryville, the the main building only, just the Steve the, Jobs building, no other building. Is that the um, the atrium, right, with the cafeteria? I think yes, the big atrium. So um, I, I my brain uh, combines the two places, but at Point Richmond, animators were there so often that they had bunk beds there. Oh. <laughs> yeah it was a whole like city inside yeah. pixar all the cool kids and you'd walk through there and they were their own it's not they weren't rude but you didn't they did what they did and i don't know who catered them or who brought their food but they were they'd be working on their shots and they had tents around the computer <laughs> and many people had tents and sleeping bags because they were there that often um happily you know it was a happy little encampment but it was insane. So editorial, we were, we were more like, like just the grinders and there was none of really that creativity stuff as much, but, um, but yeah, it was every department had their own little vibe, but animation, they were like the, the, the cool kids, the seniors, and they had a whole, um, Xanadu built of, you know, props mm -hmm. and little slides. It was a whole amazing thing. And it's not that you couldn't walk through, but I wasn't really part of that department. Just kind of an awe, you know, of what uh -huh. they did. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Have it ever made you want to like jump over or transfer to that if was given the opportunity? Definitely. Because I, um, I study animation. I mean, I uh, always was a huge Ray Harryhausen fan and I've animated, uh, creatures I made in my garage in the seventies uh, and I no eighties, I guess. So I, I study film and I study animation. So I definitely was very hip to that. Um, uh, and something I definitely wanted to do. But they were working at such a high level that I was very intimidated um, to jump in. And also, it's such a specialization, not just animation, but um, computer animation. So you need yeah. a high level of technical skill and uh, yeah. and your animation thing. But also, if you could, if you and I could go back to the first to say we worked on Toy Story One, I don't think the bar was as high with your competence in animation. Today, they're doing people now, right? It's it's so much rep, rep, replicate replicating humans and expressions yeah. so subtle. But if you and I were back then, we could have moved blocks around or little cars. I think we could have done it. 
you know yeah the le learning curve was much easier yeah it's definitely time. definitely it's definitely uh different from what it used to be and now i i would assume because i have uh used blender that was like an editing uh 3d software editing uh tool right, right. and uh learning how to make a cup was like i mean it's a lot it was a lot of tutorial and stuff and you know math is involved but i think the only thing that i didn't like was the rendering because it took uh i think for my cup it took around three hours to render just for one picture and i know i heard the thing about with pixar where to uh, render one frame takes around at least around 30 hours i don't know if they changed it now where it's kind of less because you know computers always advancing every right, year right uh but i know that was a thing where it was took the 30 or 39 hours to render one frame and so that's where i was like oh well doing this cup that just rendered for three hours this is nothing that's to get like the highest quality and stuff so yeah yeah the, the rendering i something that we haven't talked about is is that was always happening and then buy, buying having a render farm um and i'm sure the computers at the beginning were so slow uh compared but i know that i think for toy story 2 it took him a week to render the credits oh my god <laughs> so the credits just yes. a week yeah. I, I thought credits could be just simple just text yeah <laughs> they didn't know yeah. they rendered the what <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the mysterious, you know, math gods or rendering gods. You just always heard uh, this. And then they had to always, there's always changes because even though using computers, it's humans, right? Humans typing. Yeah. And so there are errors. They got they had to fix this or fix that. And um, yeah. so what's funny is, you know, you're at the bottom and you're like, oh, I'm so happy to be at Pixar and I hope I don't screw up. Um, but believe me, mistakes are made. Uh, mm. And as far as rendering, there, um, there's a scene in Toy Story 2 where woody is walking on a record uh-huh and kind of walking and as he walks the record speeds up and slows down i mean it's a very very cool piece with the sound and the edit animation well yeah. to make it render faster they uh, turned off his star for some reason the star on woody's chest multiplied the rendering time for no reason so um the person the animator or renderer would just turn off the badge to just to get the shot done you know to see how it turned out and what happens is there's what's, what do they call it I guess in finals, they call it finalies, where all the department heads would sit in the screening room, this dark room with all these couches, and they would play a shot and they would, you know, uh, have a horn blower and whistle and clap if something was approved. So this is the top, top people would say yeah. they'd see the shot and go, yay, approved. This shot's done. Well, yeah. they did that a couple shots and they didn't see that the badge wasn't there. Oh. So, so I think, and this is John Lasseter signing off on it. So I think the movie was released with the badge turned off in uh -huh. Toy Story 2. And I think they've remedied it for the DVDs. And there was another, uh, some of the character had wings and they, I think it was a bug's life and they turn off the wings. Uh, for so, so even though everyone's a scientist and everyone's watching every pixel in every, in the film department, every frame, not every frame, every perf, which is four perfs yeah. per frame. So the, the level of precision is so high. So when you hear about a mistake, it's like, it's kind of shocking, but to, pit, to, to get the rendering done, they turned off Woody's badge and they all proved it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, man. there's copies out there. I guess well, he has no badge. On the yeah. Rendering. So let's all go, um, go check our copies. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, it happens. It happens. I mean, when you try and do a deadline, definitely with Toy Story exactly. 2. Um, when you, Mood from, I mean, well, um, yeah, talking about the work environment stuff, uh, being on a new campus where you're in Emeryville, how was it there? Did you feel like you belonged there or was it kind of getting to the point where you were like, it, I think it's my time to leave or. Yeah, I, I, I lived in San Francisco, so I would take yeah. BART to, I forgot, some point I'd take a bus there. Um, so it's yeah. not, I was the only, I swear to God, I was the only guy who didn't have a car on campus. Yeah. For whatever reason, I just don't want to invest. I just didn't know how long it'd be at Pixar. So I didn't. Some people, you know, get a good job and they buy a car and they get a better apartment. But I'm very conservative um, yeah. knowing about reality. So it, so it was a bit of a hump to get there, but happy. No complaints. Happy to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, you, you're a new person. And uh, the film room was kind of an odd place. Being in a very high tech 
computer place, you know, a lot of brainy people. Uh, so you had the high tech people, then you had the kind of the LA vibe of the editors, and then uh -huh. you had the support support people. And the film room was kind of this kind of the stepchild a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I realized that um, I the skill set you need to work in that environment is knowing you got to know the Avid, the computer editing system perfectly. You got to know frames and feet and editing. There's so many, so much skill sets to be in that environment. Uh -huh. Like if I wanted to pursue editorial, say, oh, yeah. I want to become an assistant editor or, or move up that chain. Um, that means you're servicing other people and, and their vision. And I can only do that so much. I mean, my whole, uh -huh. I've worked in post-production for 20 years where you work with the client and they want you yeah. to edit here and use that title and this thing. And you're like, no, I want to do, make those choices myself. Yeah. You know, be, a, be a creative. Um, and so at Pixar, you're definitely, you know, you're a service person, which is fine, yeah. but it's not really, you're not really a creative. Um, and that was, a, that was my rub. That was my thing. And other people are like, oh, well, who cares? What are we talking about? Well, we all have ideas and vision. Um, yeah. And that's what I'm hanging on to. I still want to pursue my, my weirdo vision. Um, and I was lucky and happy to support theirs. But people get frustrated. People get burnt out. There were, there's a whole tier of a second assistant editors at Pixar who keep thinking that they're going to become full-blown editors. And what happens is they keep bringing editors in from Los Angeles or New York and people got kind of, you know, bummed by that. They're like, wait a minute, I've been here for five years. Didn't I earn it yet? And you're like, no. So people would move on. Um, mm -hmm. And some I've tracked, tracked some people and some have gone on to do first assistant, second assistant editing um, and have worked for years on like 20 or 30 films. So it's very, a lot of successful people. But there is kind of a grumbling thing where people are like, well, when am I going to become the editor uh, on a yeah. Pixar movie? And they did. There are a couple of people who put in their 10 years or five or six years who rose. Because you've got to be, you've got to have so many skill sets. You've got to have a really good cinematic uh, set. Yeah. And you've got to have that fortitude to work 20 hour days or whatever the time was. And also, you have to be able to get along with people. The big thing is, I remember people would tell me during the interview process, they, they go, we can teach you how to work here. But do, you, do we want to see you every day? Like, are you friendly? Are you, yeah. Do, do you want to see your face every day? You're like, really? It's like that? Like, yeah. Like the skills we're doing here aren't that difficult to learn. But um, do you want to be every day? And do we want to see you here every day? You're like, I didn't know how to answer that. But it's like, yeah. so that kind of shapes your the kind of people they get. The kind of the happy Disney, uh, smiley, you know, there's never a problem kind of thing. And, I'll, and I have no other life. And I'm just devoting myself to this, which, you yeah. know, that part was just like, I can play along, you know, I'm, because I was happy to be there, but, but also I'm not going to, I still have my own you know, yeah. thing I want to do. Um, so there are people, there's a guy um, who was the front receptionist and he was a very friendly guy. Always had a uh -huh. smile on his face and happy to help, help everyone. Um, and he now is a produce producer. Oh, at Pixar, okay. and he produced like the last. I mean, he is top wrong because the producer is the top job there, yeah. as far as you know, uh, status or whatever. And this guy, I don't think he made short films. I don't believe he was an animator, but he, through per, pure uh, persistence and hard work, and having always having a great attitude, um, now is a full blown producer, and um, to me seems insane. But that means uh -huh. we've got to do a lot of. Um, agreeing with people and I don't say yeah. ass kissing. I don't, it's not about ass kissing. It's not about that, but, um, but to, to be so selfless to work there, say I maybe is there 20 years and uh -huh. to do for everyone. He's kind of beloved and responsible, you know, to work his way up to becoming a producer. And now he goes, like I was when they show, um, I don't know if it was Coco, just an example, he would go to Germany and he'd be on stage with the director of Coco as a producer since, and since he started off as a receptionist, uh -huh. it's phenomenal you know yeah that's and, a big step that's... yeah and i've seen him at the airport uh going to burbank when i when i visit la i've seen him a couple times um uh -huh. because pixar flies from oakland to burbank to visit disney that's almost daily or weekly and uh -huh. i ran to him and he looked at me he goes he goes i'm so lucky i'm just so lucky it's happened because he knew that he had no film he had no film yeah. love he somehow you know through uh I don't know how he did it. So I'm super impressed, but I can't give up every bit of my yeah. soul um, yeah. to be, you know, because we all got to follow our own visions, you know? So yeah, definitely. But, definitely. but it's impressive though. Still. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the, uh, this one story that 
uh, you told me earlier about uh, the plane where they pretty much had you had oh. to yeah take the film <laughs> down to L.A. Oh, okay, so um, I was locked in the film room uh, all the time, but the film would the film would travel. The film would be leaving, you know, and it's these four metal cases. These they called Goldberg cases, like uh-huh. old timey film cans. And we put their five reels, I think, five reels. And um, so one of the times, I, hey Jim, you're going. You're taking Toy Story two, to um, to Washington, <laughs> to New York, to, to, to L.A. Oh my god! And you're you know taking it on tour. This is the, the the press screening for Toy Story yeah. two. Yeah. And so I went with another guy uh, who is another editor. And um, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Hang on one second. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, uh, got some noise in the background. So um, so we drove his little uh, Italian sports car from uh, Pixar and Point Richmond to SFO. And yeah. we carried the big film cans. And what Disney did, Disney, number one, didn't want to pay for two people. Even uh-huh. though this movie's going to make half a billion dollars, like, no, 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 one person's going to handle it. And it's a big, huge film cans. <laughs> and they wanted to train me. They go, oh, Jim will eventually be traveling with Prince by himself. So we'll go with this other guy and he'll train him. So we both, we go to L, we go to the airport and um, yeah. Disney bought a seat for the film yeah. flying to New York. And so we put these big four film cans in a chair and they'd strap it in. And the second day I get a call from Pixar and they would say, is there any way we can save that 300 bucks? Um, I'm like, why? Like, what do you, what, what are we saving? We're going to, this movie's going to, you know, well, I don't understand the saving part, but yeah. So um, they said, what we like to do is if you could ask to put the film under people's seats and we don't have to pay for the, for the ticket. I'm like, and you're so exhausted flying. You're like, and I'll, what are you going to say to Pixar? I'm like, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll ask. So I had to ask because the other guy wasn't going to do it. I said, Hey, can I put this film under your chair? And people look at me like, what are you talking about? And like, they're like, sure. They kind of giggle. Oh, they, they, every, every person said this, is it a porno? <laughs> yeah. It's a porno in giant metal cases shot on 35 millimeter. Yeah. It's that's. Wow. And also we had to have a code name. The code name was like critters or something. We'd call choice for two critters. Or, yeah. I forgot. So yeah. people wouldn't know. Cause we also, we, we were kind of told that we had to protect the film with our lives, that people were going to be trying to take us, knock us out. And yeah. uh, the reason we carried the print is because they said that FedEx or UPS would steal it, make a copy, and there'd be illegal copies. Ah. Oh, so we had to almost be chained to it, like with a lock. So anyway, we'd, yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'd be flying to Washington or whatever, and I would ask if I, wherever we flew, I'd say, oh, can I put this print under your seat? And people were really, they'd kind of giggle. And I would do it. So I'd be falling asleep on the plane, waking up and making sure one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, make sure that five reels. Yeah. Because if I lose a reel or a box, yeah. there's two reels in there. I can't come back to California. <laughs> I can't lose uh, Toy Story uh, 2, uh, reel A, B, you know, right? Wow. How was it? How was it on the road? I lost the print. Now, so that can't happen. Yeah. And so we flew from, oh yeah. So we flew to, uh, to Disney in Burbank and we showed it to Tim Hanks and Tom Allen. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, That's we were outside amazing. the projection, but my, and also my job was to knock on the door at the projection and say, Oh, can you make sure you put reels one through five together? One through five, like telling them their job. And they would always be insulted. And the guys who projections at Pixar, he goes, yeah, I know how to project reels. Yeah. I, go, well, I know, but my boss told me I had to ask you to make sure it's one through five. It's correct. Yeah. You, you have, yeah, you, <laughs> you have your boss making sure stuff. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's a pretty much a high sensitive uh, film. I mean, it's Toy Story 2, and that was pretty much, I mean, yeah. And I had to ask every projectionist, please show it in order. And look at what are you talking? I guess I'll show in order. There's numbers written and everything. Anyway, so I knock on the door, I talk to projectionists, I hand them the film. I'm kind of standing in this kind of weird lobby area. Yeah. I guess it's a, it's a mini screening room, and then there's a projection booth disconnected in the hallway. And I see this guy in a white coat with with, yeah. a, with a food court, with a food cart. And um, he spins around, and it's Tom Hanks. And oh my we're God. Like, we're like eye to eye. And yeah. he has that Tom Hanks like happy face, and I'm, my jaws open, and there's no one else there. And I'm just yeah. staring at him because I thought he was a food delivery guy, and because yeah. he was wearing a white coat, because he is working on um, uh, the one he's on the island, um, Castaway. Uh huh. 
So he was skinny and a skinny little beard from, I don't know what he was doing, but yeah, that was his, his, his costume. And he looks at me like, Hey, no one's going to introduce us. So he went into the screening room, but yeah. it was so freaky. Yeah. And, um, so then t- I didn't see Tim Allen, but I guess Tim Allen, came- they both, they were both going to see Toy Story 2 for the very first time. Yeah. They both had their entourages and my, the, yeah. the guy I went with, he got to sit in the projection room with them because he was nice. controlling the volume in yeah. case people wanted it higher or lower. And he goes, hey, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do it. Like, okay, that's fine. Uh-huh. I'll be in the hallway. <laughs> my life story. I'll be in the hallway while, yeah. you know, while you meet the famous people. And then um, I think they cried. They absolutely loved the film. And then we took it from uh, New York. Um, to, no, we took it from L.A., from Disney to uh-huh. uh, to Washington and then New York to to um, to uh, some place in New York. Um, where's the fancy place? Oh, Manhattan. Uh-huh. And they put us up with the Trump Tower. Oh, oh my God. The well, Trump yeah, Tower. I, yeah, I was put in the Trump Tower. And so we get there and Disney did not want to pay for two rooms. Disney's like <laughs> one room for these two guys. Yeah. And so the guy kept negotiating with Pixar. Like, please, I like to smoke in my room. I like to walk around naked. And I don't want anyone else in there with me. And he kept looking oh at me like, God. it's not you. It's not you. You know, I want privacy every night. I'm like, I yeah. want privacy too. But I'm going to do whatever Pixar tells me, right? Whatever the yeah. mouse wants. I'm happy to be on the ride. Yeah. And so he was negotiating at every airport. I need my own room. And eventually they did. And so, oh. we get to, <laughs> so we go to the Trump Tower and they had a room for him. And it had stationary. It's very fancy. You go to these fancy hotels. They have your stationary. I don't know if you knew yeah. that or not. And, um, and then they look at me. There. What? Never been to Trump yeah. Tower. <laughs> no, I was not. Believe me, it wasn't a choice of mine. I just was going on yeah. the ride. And then they look at me like, yeah, well, they paid for his room, but you have to pay for your room. What? So I'm, I'm taking out my uh, my credit card or debit card. And I was just my, I was shaking because I oh think the rooms were three fifty. This was like twenty years ago, and that was oh a lot of money. God. And so they're like, "Don't worry, you know." Pixar's like, "We'll pay you back." But I know, but how long am I gonna? I had no money in the bank. Uh, I had no <laughs> nothing to charge on. And the ironic thing is this: so we get our rooms at Trump Tower in. Yeah. Um, Manhattan and I could see into his room the way the rooms were positioned I could look down not that I wanted to but I saw him smoking a cigarette in yeah. his robe talking to his wife on the phone I kind of leaned back like whoa like I don't want to look into his room yipes yeah so that was our vibe and um yeah then we, where did we go yeah I guess it was yeah we showed it a couple of places in New York and then we came back uh to um to California to Point Richmond but yeah that was very exciting I had a feeling it would be my only run you know, uh-huh. they, I just, I, for some reason I thought it was, I just didn't really want to keep pursuing being the film guy, carrying the film around. Um, yeah. I definitely felt, I was really anxious at that time and I, I yeah. fulfilled all my obligations. And it was very exciting, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I did that. I'm like, mm, okay, I think I'm done, done here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, knowing what you know now, would you like given the opportunity to go back in time and do something different, like would you just do the same thing and leave out in the second year or would you try to pursue and try to, you know, make it up? I think I'd have stuck it out um, uh-huh. because Pixar is an amazing resource um, uh, for filmmakers because um, I know that you're an artist, you your own comic book. And yeah. so even if say you were Pixar and you were slaving away, if you stuck it out, maybe you become less, you know, slaving and you'd, because the resource of people there are unbelievable. Yeah. You know, so the re- that's the thing is the people are amazing. Um, so I think I, uh, I, I probably would have been better if I stuck it out and maybe, uh, and just try to make my short stuff on the weekends. Um, uh-huh. But I probably, the first years are probably tough for anyone. You know, I had no yeah. idea from the inside that Toy Story 2 was like their hardest crunch time. Um, yeah. And people were just dropping like flies. And also, did you hear that they lost the film? You read that story? Yeah. Yeah. They lost the film and it was all, um, one of the lady had it on our backer backup drive or something. Yeah. I mean, I was there at the time and I never, I never heard it or you kind of half hear things. It's like, Hey, go back to the film room. Who told you to go in the hallway? Like keep, keep grinding. What are you doing out here? But yeah, you kind of half hear, um, Oh yeah. The film was lost. You're like, how can it be lost? It's in the film. It's in the film room. But yeah, I guess the whole edit, so I don't know how you can, what button you'd push, but yeah, it got lost once or twice and they discovered it um, on someone's backup. Uh, it's yeah. phenomenal, but, you know. 
But yeah, so you yeah, pretty much left when the Toy Story 2 just I mean, that I guess that kind of shows that during that time Pixar really revamped and redid reorganized their company so that in case this ever happens or this should never happen and if it happens, this is the result, losing a lot of employees. <laughs> yeah, and I I like I said I didn't know at the time, but yeah, um I think also there was a warning sign because there were people working at Lucasfilm. Um, there was someone who crashed because people are working, you know, six, whatever. They were working so much, so much that they were just yeah. crashing their cars, driving home. And people oh, are doing, it's not yeah. like when you're forced, you're happy to be there. Um, yeah. And I remember my, my first week there, I, at some point my boss drove me from uh, Richmond to my apartment in San Francisco. And he looked yeah. at me, he goes, you're not going to do your laundry. You're not going to see your friends. You're not going to get a haircut. He goes, you're just going to be sleeping. And I'm like, I'm so, like, what? What are you talking about? So he yeah. dropped me off on Friday night and I slept till Sunday night. So he knew <laughs> the Pixar drain. <laughs> he just knew. So because he, I just, my friend, I won't mention his name, but for whatever yeah. reason, but um, he'd yeah. been there since before Toy Story 1. And oh he has been God. there 20, maybe he's been there 30 years. And he was, you know, some guy in his, like, maybe he was 20 years old, late teens, uh-huh. early 20s. Yeah. And he just answered an ad for a computer company that needed a film person. Cause that's the weird thing at Pixar. It's, you know, super high tech with old kind of, you know, 1930s film gear and yeah. how that, that was kind of a battle and who knew. So there was so much learning innovation. Um, and this guy was there for the whole, that whole arch. And ironically, yeah. he was so anti LA, so San Francisco Bay area filmmaking, uh-huh. like he, his grand, he's like the grandson or, I mean, the, his, his godfather is, um, is Walter Murch who edited Apocalypse Now. So oh. this guy was so central to, or his family was to Northern California, film, like Northern California filmmaking. But now he's been in LA for the last two years. I need to catch up and see what he thinks. Uh-huh. Uh, now is that he's in the big, big LA film scene. I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. Is there, is there anyone you still keep in touch at Pixar? You don't have to say their names or anything, but. Oh like- yeah, definitely. I mean, I made a lot of good friends. Um, the friend who got me my job there, um, we're very good friends and, uh, uh-huh. we talk, we talk all the time. And, uh, the thing is these, the, the, the film, the true film lovers love, you know, watching, making films, but you're always trying to do your own project. You know, either yeah. you're taking photographs or making short films. And, uh, he is still making short films. He made a feature film. I helped, I worked on, I did some makeup effects and I did some <laughs> other effects on it, but, um, he, uh, he's in, he's in Paris now. It's pretty exciting, uh, working, uh, being a producer on, uh, French cartoons. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and there there are a handful of people who I'm still friends with, um, who I knew, who we worked in just simple post production in San Francisco. You know, the, the few of us who were lucky enough to go to Pixar, and you know, you, I've known these people, you know, for a long, for a long time. And yeah, um, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's good. Is there anyone you know that still works at Pixar to this day, or just I do? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know how, because the thing is. To keep up with the technology, you know, is is phenomenal. And he has been there uh, a long, long time. And he um, does a, a film mastering job. And um, he didn't. I don't believe he had that kind of background. But Pixar uh-huh. trained him a little unit. He had to go to his unit, unit classes to uh-huh. operate this system. And um, and he has uh, stuck it out. Um, and he bought a house. He has, he's married now. And I know all these people in their twenties. You know. Yeah. Just in their twenties, coming to San Francisco from different parts of the country to pursue some type of artsy thing. But San Francisco attracts love arty types. Yeah, it does. And then some get technical jobs. And he got this job um, doing a film mastering, whatever that means at Pixar. And uh, mm-hmm. he has done it for, it could be approaching 30 years, easily 20. Also, he's said 20. Well, he's still at Pixar right now. Yes. And oh, we're, okay. we're, we're, we're friends. I don't, I haven't really seen him in a long time, but uh-huh. um, I'm sure you could catch him at a bar in Berkeley. On his okay. way home. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a local. He's definitely a aficionado of microbrews and stuff, but a very cool guy, very nice guy. And um and he po- and now he's kind of discovered his photography bug. Um uh-huh. and he's posting photographs all the time um on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And okay. uh, yeah, definitely no. I know these because you get to know people when you're there, you know, twenty hours a day. Because I'd be in the film room all day with these guys yeah. and they'd say, Hey, what what do you want to do later? Later, like we're gonna go, like I've been with you guys all day. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. They go, we're gonna see a film, <laughs> or we're gonna go to a party. You want to go with us? And you don't want to say no because you want to be on the good good yeah. side, and you want to you know keep being deeper in the cult. But you're like, 
for fuck's sake we've been together yeah. you know all day <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely i understand that it takes a toll on like, you and stuff like that you in six hours can i go to bed you know um, yeah and so <laughs> that was you know but it was your first couple of weeks you're like yeah let's go hang out more uh-huh. <laughs> you know? so yeah, yeah that's a, i guess that's a problem with pixar not problem but is that it gets very insular very cult-like and uh-huh. um some people marry you know the people there and yeah. you know date the people there or yeah, those are your friends but it's like oh let's go to a barbecue or i'll see you at lunch and it's just like like whoa i you know i you guys are awesome but i have other friends as well but yeah. um, i think that's the nature i think lucasfilm was like that too where you get people who work there and they see each other on the weekends for breakfast and stuff and um it's it's a bit much uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i totally understand your personal space yeah exactly. pretty much um during the time at pixar i i know you mentioned that they had classes and stuff so pretty much like it was pretty much pixar university right yeah uh, did you try to take any class or were you able to or like pretty much Tell me something about, you know, Pixar University where you heard about it and there were like some stuff you wanted to take or if you take it some. Yeah. Do you know who, uh, I guess, um, Jerome uh, Ram, Ramped, butchering his name, uh, but he was he was head of story, um, mm-hmm. which means which is, means storyboards. And he he did the voice of um, the Caterpillar um, in A Bug's Life. Oh, OK. J- Jerome Ram, Ramped. Uh-huh. Um, super nice guy. And, um, and there was one guy in the film room who absolutely, that was his favorite character. And I told him, I ran into the hallway, I go, oh, uh, Jerome, uh, there's this guy in our film who loves your character. And he came in and he did the voice. Super, super nice. And he taught a class at Pixar. Uh, so in other words, if you took his class, you could go from your department and work in story. And that oh, was my dream. So um, mm-hmm. you had to draw Woody like 100 times or 200 times, you know, so you could yeah. nail it. Um, Buzz and Woody. And it seemed all very doable, but the film room was no one's getting out of the film room. Yeah. You know, we are building the prints to, to show to different screening play, different screenings. And it was four uh-huh. of us uh, and no one's going anywhere. So um, the illusion was at lunch. It was funny, though. There was a guy in the film room who was a black belt in Hapkido and Taekwondo. And he would teach a class like a 30 minute class. Um, yeah. So we could slip out of, for that because it was kind of during lunchtime and he would beat us up at lunch. Yeah. Um, which was fun because it was physical. And I yeah. was kind of, I'd always, since I wrestled in high school and I did some judo, I'd always kind of um, tease him. And he'd always walk over to me and threaten to, you know, pinch my nerves or, you know, break my knuckles or something. Yeah. Um, but a very, very nice guy. But yeah, so we'd be in the film room working and then he would have a class and teach, um, I guess, hop keto like out, in, out, out on the lawn, you know, for 30 uh-huh. minutes. But that was the only chance we got to escape because the film room, the work demands, were so high that you really couldn't slip away to take the other classes would have been nice because if we had more time, I would have loved to work in story department. I would love to, to draw Buzz and Woody, you know, on all their hijinks that because then you're contributing your ideas, you know, it's up to you how you're going to draw these characters in these situations. And to me, that's just enough payoff to feel like, Hey, I'm a creative person and I have my own input. Um, so yeah, that would have been nice, but it really wasn't possible. I don't think, I could have walked out of the film room um, to take an hour, you know, class. Uh, because it's like you're, then you feel like you're abandoning your department, you know. Yeah. Um, and that would have been a hard, a hard juggle. I didn't think that was possible, but but it was there theoretically, you know. That you could uh-huh. And it was usually just what four people uh, working on one film, or right, um, just the one film, all of us, and then hire people to come in during the crunch time. Uh-huh. Um, and I got to meet these other people from there's a small pool of filmmakers in Northern California. And so either, you know, if you're, if you work in film, you go to LA, that's mm-hmm. where all the work is. So, yeah. so such smaller pool in Northern California, you get to know each other. So you get, you get live action people who'd come in to work at Pixar because they knew film, they knew 35 millimeter film and how to work a film bench and how to cut and edit. They knew all those skills. And so we'd bring these people in and they look at us and like, well, I can't work for this low wage. Like you guys are getting paid. This is ridiculous. In LA, they kept telling me, Jim, please move to LA. You can work in a film room and make three times this. I'm like, I know, but I'm here now. You know, I've just started here. Uh-huh. They kept saying, please, you got to move to LA to make the better money. Um, yeah. And I never did, but we did, we get these people occasionally working in the film room for three months or six months. And they turn to me and say, I can't work for this amount of money. Um, but 
they were they lived in Northern California. So um, that was definitely you know a struggle that they loved to work, but they wanted to, to you know, get paid their their LA uh, wages yeah. or you know because it wasn't union. Um, and um, uh, so, but the pay, the, but the benefits were there were no there, this was the work in Northern California. If you want to work in Northern California, you work for Lucasfilm or Pixar or Coppola. There's you know very small few places. Mm-hmm. So you had to kind of put up with whatever situation um, there was, you know, or you'd move on and they would get frustrated and um, they would leave sometimes because they wanted to make more money. Mm-hmm. So. I totally understand that. Uh, after when you quit Pixar, uh, where did you go afterwards? Like, did you go to like an editing company or? I did the play. I uh, the, 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 I worked at a, at a place um, that no longer exists called uh, Fast Forward. It always uh-huh. had like twenty or thirty employees um, doing different levels of, of post production. And I would come by and say hi to them. You know, uh, if I had a day off at Pixar or something, and they would say, uh-huh. "Oh my God, Jim, please come back. We'll pay you any wage, and we can work any shift." I was like, oh, "Really?" Nice. You know, so <laughs> they were, and like like okay, so they. Uh, they paid me a lot more than Pixar. Um, and I thought I could get my life back and then I could work from eight to five. And uh-huh. that's what I did. So I came back to that place and I worked there for maybe I don't know, another five or six years. Uh-huh. Um, as even in that company, as the future happens, all the machines we worked with all disappeared and just became computers. But you know, there was a time when you had audio and video and all these different formats. Uh-huh. So there's plenty of easy work for everyone, you know, to edit and cut on and say that's yeah. all gone. But, um, but yeah, I wish, yeah, I wouldn't get back to my old company and I wish I could have, you know, I should have been, I should have uh, toughed it out of Pixar, I think. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Is there any like fun memories you have, like hilarious, like scenarios or stuff that you remember working at Pixar? Uh, yeah, I, um, I had a friend who, um, worked on, um, James and giant peach. Okay. Roommate, roommate of mine who did who did um, what they call it, fabrication, and he's only got a film a film school friend who never got any film jobs, uh, but eventually he got a job to work on that film, and he got a copy of the the Indiana Jones uh, Idol, like throw me the oh, idol, nice. I'll throw you the whip. So he had a, he made he made a sack for me just like in the movie. He's a really good constructor and a roommate of mine, and so for my birthday he gave it to me. It was like unbelievably the coolest gift. So I brought it to Pixar and I put it on the film shelf. So in yeah. my film bench, I had the idol from Indiana Jones. And yeah. one day John Lasser came in um, and he looked at it and he goes, throw me the whip, give me the idol. And uh, yeah. and he looked and he was super impressed with it. Um, I don't know if he asked for my name or whatever, but he loved seeing uh-huh. the idol. And he, yeah. he said, he goes, where'd you get this? And he said, oh, there's some underground model makers at Lucasfilm and different companies who made a copy of the original. He goes, oh, are there any copies of Hopper or anything from A Bug's Life or our movies, like underground? I'm like, uh, <laughs> uh, no, like, so, there's no hoppers, you know, underground hopper sculptures. Yeah. Going around. Um, but that was kind of interesting. Uh, this is hilarious, but, um, but also I remember Steve jobs, I think, I yeah. guess it was probably a, a bug's life where you go out to some grass area at Pixar or somewhere and Steve jobs would be on stage and he'd look at us and say, it looks like a bug's life is going to be make $800 million or five, whatever the number was. And you're like, everyone's clapping. Yay. Uh-huh. Um, and I guess, you know, people at the top got all these bonuses of 10,000 and stuff. And it was very successful. And I'm at the bottom, like, I'm not getting any of this. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. there's no profit coming in. I don't mean to be grumbly, but I took two buses to get here. You know, I think I'm the lowest yeah. paid person. <laughs> Did you um, ever beat Steve job or? Just walk. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Of course. Oh, oh my God. I have a good Steve Jobs story. So you now we're always told, you know, don't talk to John Lasseter or don't, don't, you're not supposed to look at Steve Jobs or whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't like official, but you know, yeah. you're kind of wary of these people in case you did something stupid. So they had the premiere of Toy Story 2 at the Castro uh-huh. and they, they recalibrated the studio to, prim, you know, show digital projection that Disney they call them Disney ninjas came in and perfected the sound picture. So, um, so it was amazing. And I, I was dating a, this, this woman in San Diego and she uh-huh. always thought when I talked about filmmaking, I was insane. She never believed me. She never thought it was all fantasy. And so she comes to the screening of Toy Story 2 and everyone's like, Hey Jim, how are you? And she looked at me yeah. like, I can't believe this is real. Like, are you yeah. really worked on a film? Like, 
I've known this woman for 10 years, you know, no faith yeah. in me. So, so they had these buses going to the town, to city hall for the rap party. So there's yeah. an empty bus. I go, Hey, let's get on the bus. We got on the bus and Steve jobs is standing there. <laughs> and it's like, I go, wow. so I turn around, like I looked, I looked at him, he gestured like, get on. And for some reason, the bus was empty. So we get on the bus and we, for some reason, we sat right below him. He was kind of standing like a high school teacher, you know, having him sit down. And so yeah. we were sitting right, he was right above me with his arm. And she kept saying, who is that? I go, that's Steve Jobs. She goes, I'm sorry, who, who is that? That's Steve Jobs. That's Steve Jobs. And he looked, at, he looked down like, you can tell her. Go ahead, tell her. And she didn't know, she could not understand who that was. And uh -huh. um, she goes, he looks important. Who is he? Steve Jobs. <laughs> and he's like two feet away. And he kept looking down at us like yeah. he like a hawk, just kind of smiling at us. Yeah. Um, and I think it was pretty cool. I mean, he awkwardly stood there on the bus, didn't take a chair as we, you know, drove the two miles or whatever, the mile to uh, the rap party at uh -huh. City Hall. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And it's like, oh, he's a jerk or he's nice or whatever. But hey, I was there on the bus all alone with him. And he was very nice to me. So okay. how was the point? How was the party? You said it was at City Hall. It was phenomenal. It was I was I was so it was so happy. Um, um, uh, and the, the, the my date uh, kept having a problem with her hair, kind of some hair emergencies. Uh -huh. So she was crying and stuff, trying to get her hair. I don't know what she wanted for what she managed for a rap party, but it was very fancy. Yeah, and um, we danced and stuff, and um, and she looked at me like, "Oh, you really do work in the film industry." <laughs> it's not all well, fancy yeah yeah it's, it's all good but man that's that is interesting i mean taking this time to tell me about your experience at pixar and i mean i mean it it is a hard like place to get in or like to like get a tour and stuff i know it took me like just to step foot into pixar it took me at least around uh, i don't know I think it was eight years old when I wanted to go and just look into the campus oh, wow. and stuff, even at the Richmond. Uh, oh, wow. Over there, because I knew they were in Richmond uh, originally and stuff. And I was trying to find a way, trying to find certain things. I think that's why I went into real estate. Maybe thought that was a path to get in. And it wasn't, but that path led me to somewhere else. But it's around either once I hit 26. Yeah, like, yeah, 26 or 27 is where I actually got to step foot into Pixar and got to just go into the Steve Jobs building. I want to go to the other buildings. I want to go to their West or Brooklyn, their other look at the Pixar basketball court, their little pool area, stuff like right, that. Right. Uh, but I was only able to go to the main building. And, I mean, that was cool being the main building, but I wanted to see more. I wanted to explore and just get a feel and just see certain things and certain you know statues and stuff like that that they have but maybe next time maybe i'll get an opportunity next time to see a full campus and stuff uh, i think the only contact i have is john clyde uh, jc i don't know if you ever ran to him jc that sounds like definitely one of the pixar celebrity types i definitely there's some initials of pixar or people I'd see in the hallway or whatever, but yeah, I don't know all the names, but um, that sounds true. You know, they're hiring right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> but every time you see the requirements, it's always like C plus plus or something. No, crazy. I mean, I, you know, what's really odd. My roommate uh, was just looking at Pixar uh -huh. randomly because we kind of live in the area now that we live in Marin, and they're hiring uh, in their gift shop as a clerk. Oh. And I'm kind of looking at it, kind of salivating because I'm still kind of a huge Pixar fan. And uh, besides, yeah, the other jobs, animator. And I saw they were hiring animator, animators anywhere from like 50, like a basic animator is 50,000, which is very mm -hmm. low. And then I guess the senior animator was 150 to 200. Not says about money or anything, but, um, mm -hmm. but they are hiring. I think they're always hiring. And um, also she uh, was looking at, uh, at Skywalker Ranch is hiring uh, – positions as well and um they're hiring like janitorial like and she said if i get in there i won't leave like i will figure out and she's not necessarily a film person but she's very artistic yeah. so she's looking like i'll get hired in janitorial and i'll meet people and i'll get another job so you kind of do you have yeah. to kind of have a plan <laughs> to get in this is recent conversation yesterday so yeah she's very hip about that and she's just kind of looking and um so 
there are ways. There is a person I, I knew in the cafeteria who got to work in production and she's, you know, they, people try to make the jump and they told yeah. her, you're not going back to the kitchen if you, if you get kicked out of uh, another department. And she's been there, I don't know, maybe she's been there 10 years, but I met, uh -huh. her, I met her on a, a live action shoot and she um, made the jump from the okay. kitchen to production. It can happen. You do it, like I say, but there's a price to pay of yeah. year. And I, I, it's not that I'm all about money, but the wages could be low. But the thing is, you have that passion, that love. You're going to work for free sometimes, work low, work yeah. a lot of hours. And um, so it can happen. So we'll see if my uh, roommate gets a job <laughs> at Skywalker uh, <laughs> as, editor, as janitorial. And then yeah. becomes like an receptionist. She's that type. So it is. Yeah. if you want to go, that's, it's, that's a tough way to go about it yeah it de <laughs> definitely know? i mean make the jump to go to be a clerk at uh pixar i'm and looking <laughs> at it it's making me salivate <laughs> a little bit <laughs> exactly well i think that's enough i mean we spent a whole hour talking about pixar the experience it was awesome to have you here and explain like i'm always curious about the whole pixar environment I still want my full tour Pixar. So hopefully I get that one. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. But uh, any last words or anything you'd like to say? No, no it, was just a, it was just a pleasure. Yeah, this is my very first podcast, and I'm very excited about doing podcasting, doing more, being involved yeah. in it and more. And um, my ex-buddy, my, my friend from Pixar, is desperately wanting to do a podcast. Yeah. So, his own. So uh, maybe we'll make you a guest on our podcast if we oh. get it together. That'll be great. That'll be great. I mean, I don't know when this podcast is going to be out. Probably, I, I would say, you know, probably next week around that time. Wow. No, <laughs> that's mean, very efficient for yeah. a creative person. If it was yeah. me, it'd take me two years to finish it. Oh. I'm very, very impressed with the output. Yeah. I mean, StreamYard is a very good uh, streaming platform where it balances out the audio and stuff like that. It does oh, all the work for you. So I don't have to, it's less work. Better, like less work than I had to do on OBS where I had to actually edit and then do stuff. This is just simple. Yeah. Well, thank you. I just want to say thank you um, because I've been wanting to do podcasts for like 10 years. And yeah, exactly. I have friends, I have friends, literally, she's an animator who I've known since she's 20. Now she's 50. She goes, you've been talking about doing a podcast for like five years, like really calling me out on it. So I just yeah. want to personally thank you for getting me in the pool because you're like, Hey, you want to do get in my podcast? Like, of course. Well, you have to buy yeah. your own microphone. I'm like, what? Yeah. buy my own microphone. So now yeah. I bought this beautiful setup that you recommended and this is my first time yeah. ever doing it. So I um, hope I can return the favor and hopefully I can help you get you a tour and hats and jackets. <laughs> and Pixar. And, That'd be uh, great. That would be nice. So I, so, so thank you so much for inviting me. Exactly. And that's good. And pretty much the viewers who are listening, thank you for listening. This is pretty much a special for Keith Rocket, you know, talking to the Pixar guy, uh, James Webb, his experience at Pixar. And pretty much, uh, hopefully in the future, I can interview more people from Pixar or from any other, you know, film production. So I'm Keith Rocket signing out. Peace. <laughs>